Father, we thank you that you give us this incredible opportunity to stand before you, whether in this building or in our living rooms or outside under a tree or at our jobs, wherever we are, that we can give you praise. We give you worship, which is our lives given to you that you can use however you wish, however you please. Now, Father, bless us as we enter into this service. Give us the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of discernment. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord. Let us see. We thank you, Father, ahead of time for the victories you're about to give to us because of the power that is in your word. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say it. Praise the Lord. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mocha. It's a wonderful time to be with you. I want to thank Brother Kevin and my sisters this morning, Shirley and Evelyn, for hanging out with a brother. They carried me all through that song, so hopefully y'all didn't hear my voice. You just heard theirs. I was trying to be quiet so I can keep everybody on key. (laughs) But God is good. I thank him for who he is and how he uses us in these kinds of environments. You know... We've been working on a series that we started last week entitled, or last two weeks ago, entitled Living Above Your Fears. And um, today will be the third segment of this particular series. But it's important for us to get this. Living above your fears. Living is more than just breathing. It's having this incredible mixture of life, peace, contentment, joy, Even suffering, because you know the suffering won't last always. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So all of these things mixed together make what life is called life. But we're supposed to live above our fears. So even when tough times come, people can confuse those arrival of tough times as though they did something wrong. No, that's not the case. If you're living, suffering's going to happen every now and then. Does everybody get that? So, again, here's what we do. We don't fear suffering. We don't fear the coming of suffering. We know that our God promised us that he would never leave us nor forsake us. So even in tough times, if we can hold on to those facts, that brings us through the storm. So now we learn to live above the fears. How about this stuff is not working out the way you want it to work out? Who said everything was supposed to work out the way you wanted it in the first place? And again, I don't know how well that's going to work with all the people around you if everything works out well for just you. It, <laughs> it may cost them something to, to live in that kind of environment. So here's what I need you to know. Living above your fears is what we're talking about today. Now, the other part of it is there's a bunch of fears that are present in society right now. And and Satan wants you to take your eyes off of the throne and put them back on fear. Does everybody get that? He does. He That's what he wants. He wants you to be afraid of things that are actually not real. But we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But I need us to get it today. Do you want to live above your fears? I don't know about you. I sure do. Do I get it right all the time? No, but I'm pressing toward the mark. I'm moving forward in this capacity so I can understand it better. And sometimes we fear stuff that's not eternal. It's, 
it just really doesn't have any real importance. You know, you know, during the election time, I always have to bring this up because it's important. <clears throat> Some people feared who would get elected and who wouldn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, I get it. I do. I get it. You know, we live in a country where we're a democracy and we vote and somebody wins more votes than the other person and that person gets elected to office and we have a couple different parties in the country. But sometimes we can grasp, we can get to a period of such incredible fear that if the person we wanted to get elected didn't, that we think the end is near. I need you to know something. The end is never near. We've been having elections in this country since this country began. Now, does anybody understand what I'm saying today? We've been having elections in this country since this country began. And every time there's this incredible fear that arises, this is the end of the world. This is the end of the country. This is it. I'm here to tell you it's not the end. I live here. God's going to take care of me in my country. Somebody say amen. <laughs> so I need you to not have this irrational fear. Know this. God is still on the throne. Correct. And he's not going to leave the throne. He doesn't do, he doesn't have a four-year term. He have an eternal term. Eternal. So fears. Let's talk about this. False evidence appearing real. And they, these letters of F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. That's what fear is. Fear is not based on truth. Fear is based on false stuff. It's based on a fear that has not even arisen or is not real, but it causes your emotions to react to whatever you're thinking. I had a friend of mine one time. He went to visit a friend of his, <clears throat> excuse me, who was really struggling with alcohol. So he's, he's sitting in his friend's living room. He's really getting on his case about how the alcohol drinking was affecting his family. So the guy that he was talking to finally just got angry and said, listen, man, you got to leave my house. I'm sick and tired of hearing you talk. You better get out of here because if you don't, I'm going to get my baseball bat. So the guy got up and he went home. But on his way home, he kept thinking how angry his friend was. So by the time he got home, as he was thinking on the anger of his friend, his emotions reacted to what he was thinking. So that night, as he was laying in bed, he kept envisioning that man kicking his door down with a baseball bat in his hand, wanting to beat him. He said he sat in his bed sweating in total fear of something that wasn't real. Is anybody following me today? Sometimes we do this, and then we have people that add on to that by telling us weird stories and weird situations. So here's what I need you to do today. Live above false evidence live on the truth live above false evidence live on the truth well pastor how do i know what the truth is the b-i-b-l-e is the truth it's the truth so are y'all ready to have some fun today i'm going to read you another little <clears throat> statement as we move forward it says this is a quote <clears throat> Fear causes me to look around at my circumstances instead of up at the smiling face of God. A.W. Tozer. Isn't that what we do? We look at our circumstances instead of the God who is above all things. Isn't that what our Bible tells us? Is he above all things? And here's the kicker. Are we the children of? of God. 
So as his children, if he is above all things, where do you think we are? Yep, right there, above all things. But we have to remember this when this false evidence enters into our sphere. When this false evidence comes against us, we have to remember what the scripture says or we have to be reminded. And that brings me back to the idea of what real church is. Real church is when we, the people, the church come into this building and you get encouraged to live above your fears. You get the information you need to live above these false evidences. Is everybody with me today? So let's go to a scripture. I think we're going to have some fun today. Excuse me. The first one is going to be first John chapter four, and we're going to uh, read this in the amplified translation. And it says as follows, whoever confesses and acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God. So you have this two part confess with your mouth and acknowledge with your mind, confess it with your mouth. Believe it in your heart or believe it in your mind. It says whoever confesses and acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God. God abides in him and he in God. I can't think of a safer place to be. The creator of everything, the creator of the earth that we live on, the creator who created it and created us says that if we believe in his son, he abides in us and we in him. Can anybody think of a safer place to be? So again, here's the kicker. It's not physical, but it's a faith thing. You have to believe that this God who is the creator is a safe being, a a, a safe place for you to be. So when you believe in his son, then you have been moved from danger into this place of safety. Therefore, we call Jesus savior. If he's our savior, what did he save us from? Savior is a complete term that says that this person has completed a task that has moved people who were in danger into a place of safety. So if we call him Savior, then he saved us from death. He saved us from peril. He saved us from these things. Are y'all with me this morning? Let's read on. It says, we have come to know by personal observation and experience two great things again personal observation and experience stuck your finger in the fire you had an experience didn't you you had a personal observation of how your skin turned to color (laughs) and then you had an experience of excruciating pain those two things come together to create what I'll never do that again. (laughs) I have this experience etched into my mind. I know that fire is real. Fire is hot. Fire hurts. Have you had the experience to know that God is real? That God is all powerful? That when God is for you, who can be against you? Have you had that experience as of yet? It's a beautiful experience. Let me read on. We have come to know by personal observation and experience and have believed with deep, consistent faith, the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides continually In him. I don't know. This is encouraging. 
Abide means to live in, to take up presence in. God abides in you. Okay, what can defeat God? Nothing. So if he abides in you, when scary times come, your choices are to face the scary stuff based on your power or to face the scary stuff based on God's power. So what are we to do? Turn to God. Well, I, I, I no. the problem is we want to control things. We want to try to control things and these things cannot be controlled by us. We have to trust God that he's going to do the right thing for us and the right thing around us. Are y'all still here today? Trust. Again, this personal experience that you have with him should tell you he's done it before. He'll do it again. Has he ever failed you? No. No, you think he did because he didn't do it at the time period you wanted him to. You always got to remember God doesn't wear a Timex. <laughs> he does things at his timing, not yours. Y'all, y'all still with me today? Let's read on. It says, in this union and fellowship with him, love is completed and perfected with us so that we may have what? Confidence in the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So, in my present everyday living, there are many events, many circumstances, many things that can possibly happen. But I know God is with me. Does that mean he makes everything smooth? No, because rough times sometimes teach me things that I can't learn on the mountaintop. I can learn better stuff sometimes in the valley than I can learn on the mountaintop. So he'll have me in the valley sometimes for me to learn some things. So hear me though. I can never lose the fact that he's with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. So Once we get this, once we hold on to this, fear wants you to think that you have been abandoned. Fear wants you to think that God has run off. Fear wants you to think that God is mad at you. Therefore, he won't be around you. God took care of that when he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died so God's love could be manifested to us for how long? Forever. Y'all still with me today? We're almost there. It says, there is no false evidence appearing real in love. Uh Uh-oh. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out false evidence appearing real. Because false evidence appearing real involves the expectation of divine punishment. God loves you. And he has squared the books with you. The debt that was owed has been paid by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, it opened the door that this God, who at one time brought terror, now brings tenderness and he allows us to be engulfed in his tenderness and his love. How long? For eternity. 
Oh, do we still learn great lessons? Of course we do. But because we are learning great lessons doesn't mean that he's angry, that he's mad. God prunes everything so it grows back more fruitful. You get pruned, I get pruned, we all get pruned. He cuts back stuff so we can grow. If you think you're going to get through this life unscathed from pruning, then you're not going to live. You're not living. It's impossible. But again, he does this because he loves us. So we can continue to grow. Is this making sense to you? So dread. What is dread? Dread is this fear that's crippling. When you dread something, you don't want to do it. You don't want to go anywhere near it. You fear something so drastic, so big that it causes you to quit living. It causes you to withdraw. Dread does not exist when you understand the love of God. Therefore, you will walk into places and circumstances that you normally wouldn't walk into. Why? Because I have the victor behind me. I have the one who is victorious over all things, who is in me. He abides in me and I in him. David stood before Goliath while the whole other army of Israel was cowardly hiding behind him. And he went before Goliath with a slingshot. They had spears and chariots and, and weapons. He had a slingshot. His, his faith wasn't in his slingshot. His faith was in the God that he knew was with him. Are y'all hearing me today? So how about you? When's the last time you stood? When the odds seemed to be somewhat against you. Sometimes we create our own battles. We create battles with, in situations that don't need to be. We create enemies that we don't need to have. Hallelujah. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love. That's a powerful verse, brothers and sisters. I need you to get that. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love on judgment day. Or even now on an everyday basis. God loves you. He doesn't want you to dread. He doesn't want you to have fear. And he doesn't want you to fear judgment day. I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand and one. Judgment doesn't always mean bad. You can be judged innocent. Just as, just as much as judged guilty. Somebody say amen. Most of the time we don't get that. Because we want people to kind of think this is not a finished work when it is a finished work. Jesus died for a reason. Is this good for you today? Or is this helping you so far? It says we love because he first loved us again. If you can understand how God loves you, you can love me better. Let me say it one more time. If you can understand how God loves you, you can love me better. But if you think God loves you partially, how are you going to love me? Yeah. If you think God loves you with a wooden spoon up in heaven waiting for you to make a mistake so he can crack you across the head. How do you love me with the same mindset? Are, are y'all understanding this today? But if you can get to this point, if you can grow to this understanding of understand, Jesus paid the price. Therefore, God released his love to us completely, thoroughly. 
eternally. If you can understand that, then you can love me. Think about it. God didn't fall in love with perfect people. We were horrible human beings that Jesus died for. So if you understand this love for you, then you can love me better. If anyone says, I love God, we hear a lot of this on, quote, what we call Sundays, right? In, quote, what we call the church when we come to church. Oh, man, there's not a soul in here that don't love God on Sunday, right? I mean, we just sing and cry and bow and, and you know, every, I love God. I love God. Do you love God? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Everybody loves God. But listen to what it says. It says, if anybody says, I love God and hates, works against his Christian brother, he is a liar. Profound, simply profound statement. Very easy for us to understand. I don't care how much you say you love If you hate your brother, if you work against your Christian brother, what does my Christian brother look like? More than just the ones who come to the same building as you. Your Christian brothers are worldwide. Anybody that accepts Christian uh, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is your brother or your sister. Are y'all following me? So anytime we engage in an activity that works against them, We're a liar because God loves them. How is it that we are working against something that God loves when we want the same love extended to us? If you want God to love me or love you, then learn to love your brother. No matter where they are, no matter what country they're in. Is this making sense today? No matter what political party they're in. (laughs) If anyone says, I love God. And hates, works against his Christian brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. I don't think I need to elaborate on that. I think that's pretty clear, isn't it? And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also unselfishly, unselfishly, unselfishly love his brother and seek the best for him. If there's anything that we have kind of gotten confused as the church, hmm, we have decided to sever the body of Christ into many splinters based on some stuff that's not eternal. And we have caused ourselves to form a different kind of faith. One that says, as long as it's about self, I'm good. But if I have to serve you, I'll find a reason why you, to me, are unservable. Again, it may be because you don't, you speak in tongues and I don't. It may be is that you go to church on Saturday and I don't. It may be a whole bunch of things. It may be that your skin color is different than mine. It may be that you don't speak the same language as me. All of these things become things that should not separate us. 
What did Jesus say? That he buried, he got rid of that wall of hostility that were, was between Jews and Gentiles. He buried that. He got rid of that. If he did it, then that's how we should live our lives. See, it's time for the body of Christ to unite again. That's what the world needs to see. Everybody still with me today? Are you sure? Let's go to John chapter 12 and we'll make it quick. It says, John chapter 12. It says, nevertheless, even many of the leading men believed in him, believed in Jesus as Savior and Messiah. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess it. In this particular instance, we know what is right to do. But sometimes we'll be around people who intimidate us. We may have certain friendships and these friends think a totally different way. We don't want to lose that friendship or put that friendship in jeopardy. So we won't confess publicly what we actually believe. Therefore, we do those people an injustice. But listen, let's go along with this. It's important for us to get it. Could you go back just a little bit for me, brother? It says, nevertheless, even many of the leading men believed in him as Savior and Messiah. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess it. For fear, false evidence appearing real, that if they acknowledged him openly, they would be put out of the synagogue, excommunicated. For they love the approval of men more than the approval of God. A various, very serious, threatening position to put ourselves in. How many of us love the approval of men than of God? Because if you, if you love God, then you may have to say something to people. You may have to openly confess some things to people that let them know that you love the Messiah. Not with your words, but with your actions. There's an old saying that we got about kids. It says kids can't hear what you say. Because your actions speak so loudly. I'm going to say it one more time. Kids can't hear what you say because your actions speak so loudly. Our actions should be speaking to people. They should know that we have made a choice to follow Christ. We have made a choice to love our brothers and sisters. We have made a choice to put Christ above all things. Therefore, we don't fear you excommunicating me. How can you excommunicate me out of the body of Christ when Jesus died to add me in? The only way you can think you can do that, you've got to excommunicate Jesus. And you can't do that. Are y'all with me today? So again, as pastor, as, as, as I, I, I can't seek the approval of man. I have to teach you the truth. And sometimes you like it and sometimes you don't. Guess what? Sometimes I like it and sometimes I don't because I hear me. <laughs> so sometimes I'm preaching to me. But we've got to get this, brothers and sisters. We cannot fear the opinions of others. Because when you do, you actually fail those people that you're fearing their opinion. You are not giving them the truth that they need to hear. Praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to make this as quick as I can. Y'all having fun yet? Praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 2. It says, but when Peter visited Antioch, 
He began to mislead the believers and cause them to stumble over his behavior. I need you to get this today because this is us. Are y'all with me? He began to mislead the believers and cause them to stumble. How? Not on what he said, but on his behavior. So Paul says, so I had to confront him to his face over what he was doing. He enjoyed being with the non-Jewish believers who didn't keep the Jewish customs, eating his meals with them. Up until the time the Jewish friends of James arrived from Jerusalem. When he saw them, he withdrew from his non-Jewish friends and separated himself from them, acting like an Orthodox Jew. Fearing how it would look to them if he ate with the non-Jewish believers. Was he supposed to eat with his, with his non-Jewish brothers? Was he supposed to have an, an intimate relationship with them? Because they had become one. But because of the opinions of some other people, he decided to withdraw from what he was supposed to do. I need you to get this today. If you're living above your fears, you're going to do what you're supposed to do regardless of the opinion of others. You're going to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. You know what God did to save you. You know the cost of that, the price of what Jesus paid for you. It's easy then for us to do the right thing if we're willing Listen to me right now. This is we're living in a very splintered, opinionated society. If you have a circle of friends that you deal with, live with, hang out with, that's a beautiful thing. But if you give them the power to determine what your spiritual walk is going to be, you're going to be in trouble, brothers and sisters. And we can't have that. We can't have that. The world needs us to show them the right way. Almost there. And so because of Peter's hypocrisy. Many other Jewish believers followed suit, refusing to eat with non-Jewish believers. Even Barnabas was led astray by their poor example and condoned this legalistic, hypocritical behavior. Stand strong on the power of the word of God, please. So when I realized they were acting inconsistently with the revelation of grace, I confronted Peter in front of everyone. I pray God that you don't get fronted anytime soon. <laughs> I pray God nobody has to step to you and tell you, what are you doing? What are you doing? I had a guy recently say to me, I'm afraid for my father. You know, he's a Christian. But I'm afraid he's going to go to hell. And I'm standing there as I'm listening to what he's saying. I'm trying to figure out, okay, you said he's a Christian, which means he accepted Jesus. I hope you all follow me right now. And if he's accepted Jesus, then Jesus saved him. Saved him. Let me say it one more time. Saved him. How many times is Jesus going to die? Once for all. Because when he did it the first time, he did it right. It doesn't have to do it again. So this man who accepted Jesus Christ is now what? Saved. 
So then if he's saved, he is saved from going to hell. Are y'all, I need you to get this today. I need you to understand what I'm saying. All we need to do is get with these people and teach them how to live this Christian life, but not living in dread to learn to live above their fears. That's all we need to do. If they're doing something that you don't approve of, it doesn't mean that they get disconnected because we didn't get saved by what we did. We got saved by what Jesus did. So you're not going to get rejected by what you do unless you stop believing in Jesus. Is anybody hearing me today? I said, is anybody hearing me today? See, a lot of us want to think that, okay, hey, he, 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 he's still drinking Johnny Walker. Okay, Johnny Walker is probably not a great thing for you to be drinking. But I don't think God has a list in heaven that says Johnny Walker drinkers don't enter. Because <laughs> if he did, Johnny Walker been around a long time. There's a whole bunch of folks that drank some Johnny Walker. Matter of fact, there might be some remnants of Johnny Walker in you. And if there is, and if that's the requirement, then you ain't going either. Somebody, hello. So crazy, Pastor Ben. I'm just trying to make you understand. Let's quit making false evidence appear real. Let's live above that. We're almost there. You were born a Jew, and yet you've chosen to disregard Jewish regulations and live like a Gentile. Why then do you force those who are not Jews to conform to the regulations of Judaism? Although we're Jews by birth and not non-Jewish sinners, we know full well, we know full well, we know full well that we don't receive God's perfect righteousness as a reward for keeping the law, but by the faith of Jesus, the Messiah. His faithfulness, not ours, has saved us and we have received God's perfect righteousness. Now we know that God accepts no one by the keeping of religious laws. If we are those who desire to be saved from our sins through our union with the anointed one, does that mean our Messiah promotes our sins? If we are, if we still acknowledge that we are sinners, how absurd. So if you accept Jesus Christ and you do something dumb, does that mean Jesus has promoted that sin? Of course he hasn't. He paid for it. So that means you can sin, get up and keep moving because he already paid for the sin. Are y'all understanding me today? Now listen closely because this is important. It says, if we are those who desire to be saved. Okay, I'll start there. For if I start over and reconstruct the old religious system that I have torn down with the message of grace, I will appear to be the one who turns his back on the truth. So if I go back to trying to live by the law, which Peter was trying to get these people to do, and I ignore the grace that has established this truth, I'm making a horrible mistake. So, you... I need you to get it. You were saved by grace. You were saved by grace, not based on what you do. So then you don't, it's not fair for you to judge other people based on what they do. Because you weren't judged on what you did. So if we're going to be Christians, we've got to understand grace is unmerited favor, undeserved kindness from God. 
That allows us to enter into this place of living above our fears. And then we teach people. We get them to grow in Christ and in the knowledge of Jesus. I mean, grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Are y'all still following me? I hope I'm making this clear to you today. But because the Messiah lives in me, I've now died to the law's dominion over me so that I can live for God. My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives for the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. What are you afraid of? So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the anointed one would have died for nothing. So what are you afraid of, brothers and sisters? Did he die for you? Are you saved? Then why are you living in fear? See, we confuse our eternity with Christ with a whole bunch of other things that we, you have to unravel. You have to unravel those things because your life with Christ is secure because Christ has done it. So don't live in false evidence appearing real. I pray God this has been helpful to you today. I'm looking forward to being able to share with you the final segment as well as kind of celebrate Memorial Day next week. So looking forward to you coming back on board again so we can do that. Listen, we love you completely and thoroughly. Don't live in fear. Be free in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you. See you next week.